Welcome to the St George's Leeds Sermon Podcast. We hope you enjoy the talk. Good evening, everyone. My name is Eve. What's your name? One, two, three. Great. So good to meet you all. Um, We're coming to uh, the end of a sermon series tonight, thinking about being made for more. And we've been looking at um, how God has made us for himself, for relationship with God, uh, with purpose and with love. We've thought about being made for fruitful work, uh, for rest, and for relationship, for community. And so we've been hearing from some of our community about what that looks like in practice, as well as looking uh, to scripture and unpacking that together. So I hope it's been a helpful few weeks. And it's not the end of it, because we're always in community together, uh, but we're gonna be uh, having some final interviews today with some different people from 1830. Uh, So just to to summarize, if you haven't listened as well, you can listen on the podcast uh, for the previous talks and interviews. Uh, It's always good for a walk or a commute. Uh, And we've been looking at Genesis chapters one to three to see who we are in in God and how we were made, what was our purpose and our destiny. So we've seen together that we are designed by God for loving relationship with God, with creation and with other people. And that every human's destiny is to be an image bearer, to show God in the world. And it's our destiny to live in these loving, interdependent relationships with others in reference to God, our loving creator. But that destiny has been distorted by disobedience, by rejecting that good plan and purpose of God. So we find ourselves isolated. We find ourselves living for ourselves rather than for one another and for God. But we... We know from scripture, from our experience in the church, that Jesus in his life and death and resurrection and ascension, he has restored our destiny as image bearers and we become children of God. And when we trust in Jesus, he pours out his spirit, his life to live within us. And our hearts and our minds are redirected towards Christ and towards others. And God provides community and relationships that are suitable for us, that give us life, and that help us to grow to be more like Jesus. And tonight, before we hear from some of our church family, I just wanna touch on another um, Bible passage. So if you've got a device or you've got a physical Bible with you and you want to open that up now, uh, you can do that. And we're heading to Romans in the New Testament, chapter 12. And we're going to look at a few verses, verses 9 to 13 and verse 18. And um, as I was looking, there's just, you know, there's so much to look, particularly in the New Testament, about relating to one another in community and in the church and in the world. And as we hear today people's experiences informed by the scriptures, and we want to be looking... um, our own lives as well, how we can be a blessing in our community and a blessing to others. So I'm gonna read these verses, I'm just gonna think a little bit about them first and then hear some practical examples. Paul says to the Roman church, love must be sincere. Hate what is evil, 
Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor, serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share with the Lord's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So I found these verses really helpful over the years in reflecting on community in the church and in the world, and we could do you know, a sermon series on each sentence in this passage. But it talks about love being sincere, being heartfelt, that our motivation is to truly love and honor the others in our community. And we've talked a little bit in the past few weeks reminding ourselves that there is enough of God's love for everyone. So that in the kingdom, there is no competition for God's love, for God's affection. And therefore, we don't have to compete with others in our community, in our friendship group, because God has enough love for us. And this enables us to have this sincere love for others. It's quite strong, Paul, in his wording, hate what is evil, reject it, flee from it. Get rid of it in your life. And we do that in community as well as on our own. We've heard from, uh, from friends in our congregation who are accountable to one another, who have small group with one another, encouraging one another to do that, to hate what is evil and cling to what is good. And being devoted to one another in love. That means turning up. That means showing up for one another, being part of one another's lives in a real and tangible way. And the next line has reminded me of the Galatians passage that we looked at last week where it says, um, bear one another's burdens and each person should carry their own load. This kind of tension between our responsibility for ourselves before God, for articulating our needs, for building uh, networks of support that really help us, but also carrying one another's loads, being part of an interdependent community. And it takes wisdom to discern how we do that in our lives. And here we have a similar thing. Honor one another above yourselves. Put the other first. But then it says, never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor, fervor, your enthusiasm, serving the Lord. So there's a sense that we have a responsibility with God to fuel ourselves with the Holy Spirit, to spend time with God, to keep up our zeal. It's kind of an old school word. I really love that word, zeal. And honor one another above yourselves. So it doesn't mean be a doormat, but it also doesn't mean just keep yourself um, spiritually fed and ignore others. So we have an interdependent community. Be joyful in hope patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. This is easier read than done, but it is possible with the power of the Holy Spirit. We can learn from others who have been through 
similar or different situations as to how we do that in practice. But regular prayer, regular reading of scripture and community, being open with one another about what's going on in our lives, praying for it, interceding for one another, helps us to do this. I've mentioned it before, being faithful in prayer, or where it says um, unceasingly, doesn't necessarily mean just lock yourself in a room and pray all the time and never do anything else, even though that's what we do for seasons. But it means having a regular practice and discipline of praying, of interceding, of giving things to the Lord. Share with the Lord's people who are in need. We do that individually and together as we've seen, as we've decided to give this money away as a church. Practice hospitality. Um, One speaker I heard talk about this uh, depending on our season of life and our context, but uh, says hospitality looks like being able to maybe go to a friend's house and um, starting to make cups of tea and getting the milk out of the fridge without having to ask or be hosted all the time. Now, it's important to host one another if we're um, making friends, building community, uh, but also it looks like being comfortable around one another in our space. And as far as it is possible, as far as it depends on us, live at peace with everyone. And again, that ties into this interdependent, our own sense of self and responsibility and our responsibility to others. That in each relationship, whether that's our close friendships, our wider community, our colleagues, our extended families, our society, that we seek to do everything that we can to live at peace with others, to honor one another. And then we leave the rest to others and God. And again, it takes wisdom to work this out. So I could give you a load of examples now, but it also takes wisdom that in each situation we find ourselves in, discerned in community, we learn what it is to be at peace with others as it depends on us. And some of it is trial and error, some of it is wisdom from others, some of it is praying, asking God, what shall I do in this situation? And as we hear from others uh, tonight in these conversations, I want to remind us that um, as we hear from folks, it's not that we're getting people up here because they are perfect at community, that they've got everything right, but because we have stories to share and to learn from one another as we're guided by the Bible. And it's helpful to consider the relationships that have formed us in our lives, that maybe shape how we do community now in a safe place. Not necessarily to blame or to say it's because of this and this and this that I am how I am and I can never change because love, the, God, uh, the love of God transforms us as we seek him. But it's helpful to consider what relationships have formed us and address ourselves before God for the purpose of healthy, fruitful, servant-hearted relationships. And it takes time over days and weeks and months and years. We're addressing ourselves before God, not just for our own sense of happiness, but for the thriving of a whole community. And as I was preparing and as we reflect back on um, the creation narratives in Genesis 1 and 2, some of you might remember that what happens in the garden when the human beings, when Adam and Eve uh, reject God's purposes for them and seek their self-satisfaction, what that sin, what that separation does is lead to um, hiding from God and one another 
and blaming God and one another. There's always um, the, the joke about Adam and Eve that as soon as um, God says, what have you done? They start blaming one another. So Adam says, well, I blame this woman that you put here with me. <laughs> like if you kind of read it, you can read it with or without kind of tone, you know. Um, and the woman also blames and says, well, the serpent told me, so I was just following someone else. You know, there's all this blame that starts happening, implying fault of others. We often look to others, and sometimes that's valid if things have been done to us or we've had experiences that we need to bring to light, we need to get support in. But other times, it's our sense of uh, offense and affront that gets involved and our idleness of happiness, our fear of discomfort means that we want to change all of our external circumstances rather than face the discomfort that we feel and address ourselves before God. And Jesus talks about this with the um, pointing to the log in some, the speck in someone else's eye when we have maybe a log in our own eye. And we're the person that we have agency over, responsibility over in a relationship? How will we search ourselves and let God search us in a safe, loving place of his presence and show us how to be a blessing? Root ourselves in the security of his love and ask him for his perspective on our community and our situation. The other thing that happens in the garden is this hiding that they hide from God, the, the human beings, that used to have this intimacy with him. And then they hide from one another. They were naked and unashamed, and then they cover themselves. And often when we're out of kilter in relationship, in community, um, we find ourselves avoiding others, avoiding conversation, avoiding that awkwardness and discomfort that we have rather than interacting and de-escalating and talking to one another. And that's not always easy. And again, we can do that in particular relationships and community and help one another do that. It takes time. But that's what we see in the New Testament in the kingdom is that Jesus takes and absorbs this separation from God, this sin on himself on the cross so that we don't have to hide before God or one another. And that Jesus has taken the blame, the cost of our isolation, our disobedience, and enables us to praise God, to speak truth and life once again. So as we hear from some examples now in our community, I just want to invite us to uh, be really open to the Holy Spirit in that. So are you ready for some conversations? We've got fewer this week. Yes. And, you know, if you want to kind of get into, the, get into these, mm, if there's a good point, or amen, yes, then feel free. It's always really encouraging. Uh, so first up, I'm going to invite Josh up. We're going to have a quick convo. So welcome, Josh. Oh, you've got a microphone. That's helpful. Um, hi, Josh. Welcome hi, to the thanks. sermon as well as to uh, leading the service. Um, there you go, you've got some support. Um, so we thought it would be great uh, as one of the, the ways we interact in community is in um, friendships between uh, males and females, guys and girls. Um, and uh, we thought that would be helpful to highlight a name because uh, it's something that gives us so much life in our community. 
Um, and also, we thought that we would do that because we're friends, rather than get some other people up who have to talk about it. You know, in case it's awkward, we're just going to do that ourselves. Is that all right? Um, so, Josh, tell us a bit about yourself and a bit about how we're friends. Yeah, so I'm Josh, as you know, because um, I've already said that. Uh, I'm Maita Ellie, and we've got uh, three little kids under five, which is why I always look so tired. Um, and how did I meet? So we were just figuring out when we met. Me and Eve have known each other about 12 years, uh, which is quite a long time, actually. Um, and we met because I, um, basically, I fancied one of her housemates. This sounds a bit, this is a bit like, would I lie to you, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. But basically, I started going out with uh, my wife, Ellie, uh, while she was living with Eve, and then I got to know Eve uh, through Ellie. Uh, but then we ended up working together, so we worked in a cafe, um, serving coffee to the good people of York. Yeah. And now we're uh, colleagues again, many yeah. years later. It's great. And um, we can both answer this, I'm not just going to answer you and you tell us about this. Um, but we were reflecting, why is uh, this friendship important? So what would you say, and then I can share some stuff? Yeah, I mean, so I think uh, we've got quite a lot in common. We are, we're both interested, basically, in only coffee and theology is like basically our basic interests in life, uh, which is a basis of a good friendship. Yeah. Um, so we have a lot to talk about. Um, Eve's very good at telling me when she thinks I'm wrong, which I'd actually like that in a friend. Thanks. Um, someone that's prepared to challenge me. Um, and I mean, we just so happen to be uh, men and women. And I think that is kind of insignificant in our friendship. Um, but sometimes I think we're not very good at just naming the fact that um, that, that, is, uh, that we might be a bit uncomfortable around that in yeah. the church. Yeah, and I think there's been, um, for, for good reason, and also because of stereotypes, this kind of idea that sometimes that men and women can't be friends, or that if you're friends with someone, you'll definitely fancy them, even though not everyone of the opposite sex fancied each, you know, each other anyway. Um, or, um, yeah, all the kind of stereotypes of what, what happens in those friendships, rather than seeing each other um, like as brothers and sisters, which is what you were sharing as what the New Testament talks about. So say a bit about that. Yeah, I mean, fundamentally, we are all here. We, we are the family of God. We are children of God. And so our basic relationship to one another is, is as brothers and sisters. That's how we're invited to relate to one another. And I think that's incredibly powerful. I mean, I... Uh, my own little sister is very close to me in age, so we were very close growing up. Um, so it doesn't really feel that weird to have a, a good friend uh, who's a girl, because I think if you just like, I would think of my little sister, although you are older than me, as you said. <laughs> yeah, and um, I also have a brother, so I'm, I'm used to that as well. Um, and I think it's reminded me as well of what we see in, in the Genesis narratives that um, men and women were created to, to partner in creation, to steward creation. And in the New Testament, we really see that in the disciples in the early church of men and women, Jesus honoring um, women, having female friends as well as the disciples. Um, and in the early church, seeing men and women partner in the gospel and uh, fruitfully sow into God's kingdom and, uh, and do that uh, really well. And how is our friendship, I suppose, We've known each other for quite a long time. We haven't always lived in the same place or been yeah. involved in the same thing. What's that look like? Yeah, I mean, it's changed quite a lot recently because obviously we've moved to Leeds um, and that has been really nice. That actually, we've been able... Eve, Eve often drops around when her fridge is empty and she needs feeding. Um, she usually brings coffee with her as payment, Outrageous. which is, I, I think, a pretty sweet deal. I often bring gifts of food, yeah. Um, but actually, um, one of the things, the big things that's changed is now that uh, you're a friend not just to me but to my kids as well, which has been really nice to see. 
Um, I have to tell you this story because it's just too cute. But my little daughter, Emily, and who's my middle one, who's two and a half, um, every night we ask her, what would you like to pray for? And she says, uh, Paw Patrol is number one, always. Um, and then, and then Mummy and Daddy, and Judah and Zach, and then Eve, without fail, gets mentioned in Emmeline's prayers every night. So that is, I mean, I think that's a real testament of the fact that, you, um, that you're a friend yeah. uh, to our children. So that's been a really, that's been a big shift and a, a really nice thing to be able to, to do. Yeah, and it's been a real joy to kind of encourage one another through our lives and the different seasons of what's going on. Um, and sometimes that's from far, from further afield. Um, and sometimes, like now, we happen to now be colleagues, which is amazing. Um, and I think that's one of the things that, you know, I had great friends at uni who I've kind of journeyed with. And you're not kind of always busy mates or doing day-to-day with people. But as you, you journey, you have those people that become kind of lifelong friends. Um, any other questions? How does this friendship connect with others in your life, would you say, Josh? Yeah. So, I mean, I think, um, I think it's really nice, actually, to have, um, to have friends that you work with. And I think, some, I mean, we're lucky. I think not everybody has that, um, that, that privilege of getting on really well with, uh, with people that they work alongside day in, day out. But when you find that, actually, there's something really, um, there's a real gift in that. So if, I, I think one of the things, just as an encouragement, that if you have that, if you work alongside somebody who you really get on with, um, that's a real blessing, and um, enjoy it, because I've been in lots of situations where uh, that hasn't been the case, um, and so I think that that dynamic has been, has been interesting, and, and I'm really grateful for that. Yeah. yeah, and I'm really grateful for the, the friends that I have, male or female, that um, you just share particular niche things in common, <laughs> and I think that's, you know, you can just be yourself. Other people were saying that last week, that there's those places where you can just... Um, hang out and um, make tea um, and that kind of thing that's really encouraging. Um, so I just want to encourage that, that our friendships and our community, uh, yeah, in St. George's are those life-giving things. Thanks, Josh. Thanks. See you in a bit. See you later. Uh, we also have the blessing of meeting uh, people from different backgrounds and people that we wouldn't necessarily know if Jesus wasn't alive and we weren't part of the wider church. So we're going to watch uh, a video now from Rosie, who's a member of uh, our congregation, and Metab, who's a member of the 1030 congregation. Uh, and they're just going to share, they recorded this a little while ago because we shared it in the morning service as well. So we're just going to watch this and hear their reflections on some similar questions. Oh, I'm getting this. No? No video? Oh, that's sad. Ah. Oh. Well, I can tell you. Oh, Tom's running. Maybe if we do it in a minute, Tom? Yeah, we'll see how it is. Okay, so now I'm going to invite Ian Flex. Pivot. Um, Ian's ready. He's so ready. Ian and Dan are going to come up and share, and then we'll watch the video at the end. In a minute, there's going to be a key change, and we're going to do this. Thank you. Amazing. So um, we're going to pivot, pivot, and um, chat to you guys. And then maybe if I get a thumbs up, I'll, we'll play a video. Oh, look, yeah, OK, in a minute, great. Um, so we're going to think a little bit about being part of a church community over some different seasons of life, for which, thank you, Ian and Dan, you're going to talk to us a little bit about. Um, so um, 
Ian, tell us a bit about who you are and your journey of being part of St George's. Okay, um, evening all. Uh, I'm Ian, as Eve's already said, and I've been here since the last century. <laughs> um, so, <laughs> last millennium. Oh, thanks, Dan. Yeah. Um, yes, the last millennium. Um, I came to St George's at the end of the uh, 1990s through a quite bizarre chain of events that involved uh, my girlfriend, who is now my much better half, and uh, and an alpha course, um, at which I was a, a guest at a weekend away, and um, somehow ended up playing keys uh, at, at my own alpha weekend away. So <laughs> that's how I ended up here. <laughs> and might explain why I um, had some involvement in worship too. So from the end of the 90s, for quite a few years, um, uh, my wife and I uh, led the evening uh, worship. Um, it was a, a bit of an older congregation than when I look out now, and it was a bit of a smaller congregation. Um, and during that time, um, we uh, had the joy of bringing through a, a number of younger people, uh, younger than we were at the time then. Um, and, um, and one of those we used to pick up uh, most Sunday evenings uh, from his house. Um, and he was, he was quite small. He was a, he was a drummer at the time. And um, do you know, I'm struggling to, struggling to remember his name. Uh, <laughs> but some of you might know him. I think he's, he's, he's called Dan Hebden, I think. And, um, and he's, not, he's not turned out too badly. <laughs> but no amens there. That's Greeted <laughs> <laughs> with absolute silence. Um, so, so we led there in the evening for a long time. And then um, in 2006, our, our lives changed forever. And um, we had a child. And, um, and that child came a bit early, and I remember that uh, we'd led worship one week in the evening, and then um, our lovely daughter arrived, and, um, and that was it. Suddenly, um, community had changed. The evening service where we'd been for sort of seven or eight years, um, it was like a no-go zone. Um, because for a start, you weren't awake um, at that time. And, and so eventually we transitioned to the morning, so we went through a different season of life, transitioned to the morning, and, um, uh, and the communities that we were in completely changed, and it's, it's taken us until 2022 to make it back to the evening. And, uh, and, uh, and uh, it's, it's quite apt, really, because in, in three weeks' time, I will be 18.30, but unfortunately, there's a plus sign in the middle. So. We'll change the logo. We'll, yeah, change yeah, the logo, please. It is on Easter Sunday as well. Well, that's a, there's, there's something quite important happening. So. Amazing. Uh, Dan, tell us a little bit about you and your journey with St. George's as well. Hey, everybody. I'm Dan. Um, and I work here full-time as worship pastor, leading the amazing worship team of which Ian is part of. Amazing worship and tech team who do great work every Sunday and throughout the week as well. Um, I'm from Leeds originally, um, my parents moved here and married here and we grew up uh, just up the road in Burley and we went to a few different churches growing up but I came to St George's sort of by myself actually, we, we all sort of split and went to different churches. Uh, you know what, I have a family of four, me, my brother and my two parents, all four of us currently go to different churches, don't you think that's really weird? So I kind of, anyway that's, that's been the pattern of our, of our kind of growing up, as, as me and my brother were old enough we sort of made our own communities really in our own choices and I decided to come here to St George's uh, I think I was 15 at the time which is half my life ago so you do the math 
Um, big birthday last year. Um, and I came here and I, I got big. involved in... <laughs> I'm just showing you up. Um, I got involved in the worship team and uh, I came on to the youth stuff. Um, it was basically youth in the morning to play drums and receive amazing teaching and be involved in that community and then I was on the road to playing drums in evening service as well and, and when I wasn't we'd be on the balcony worshipping away all the youth so I was kind of here every every service really, I was here every Tuesday practice, every uh, Sunday service and various other youth night stuff going on, I was kind of, this is like my second home really through, nothing's changed yeah, no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's true um, and so uh, yeah being, being a youth I kind of had a real community in the in the youth with youth leaders and other teenagers at the time. And then uh, I spent some, a couple of years working in the nightlife scene in Leeds, DJing and running nights and things like that. And then came back as an intern here when I was 20. Uh, so I've just done a decade on staff actually, which is pretty mad. And uh, did a couple of years of internship, thank you. And, um, <laughs> and now I've been a full-time worship pastor for a good few years now. Um, and I think, oh, that's so kind. Um, and I think, yeah, the community we've been in has changed. Um, I, I married my wife, Ellie Mae, three years ago. And I think from being a youth to being a young adult to being a married young adult to being an older adult. Oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I was just addressing you then. Older adult. No. Oh, yeah, uh, our, our community changed. We, we got involved in uh, a small group when, when I was in my early and mid-20s. And, and when you get married, it changes again. You you end up uh, having other priorities and uh, some friends fall away, some others uh, come to the fore. And I think what we've found really useful is, um, I don't know how much to say, basically going, uh, having, since being married, having friends who are older than us, having friends who are younger than us, having friends who are married, having friends who are single, just trying to have friends with people from lots of different I'm going to use the Christian term, walks of life. I couldn't think of another word. Is it Christian? I don't know. Well, maybe. Sure. It is now. It is now. We've claimed it. Um, yeah, that's it. Thanks. <laughs> Christ has claimed it for his own. <laughs> God bless you. And, um, yeah, we found that to be uh, a real blessing. Basically, uh, so people like Ian and Sally and your family trying to be friends with you guys and... I mean, you're busy people. <laughs> it's hard, isn't it? It's, it's very difficult. hard. But I think you're legit friends, guys. I think, I think you're friends, Dan. No, we're clutching at straws out with some Well, we live near each other, but I mean, that's that helps, it. Yeah. But, but you're absolutely right, though, because the, the communities that we've been involved with have changed. And, and actually, what's, um, what's really important, one of the things that, um, that I, I remember from uh, fairly early on in, in our married life is we, we suffered a miscarriage fairly early, uh, fairly early in our married life. And we were in the evening service and and actually there weren't a lot of people in that situation and you you know you move through time you, you and and you do move through services and i can still remember we came to church the in the 10:30 actually then the the one or two weeks after that had happened and and the sermon was elizabeth and the baby jumping in her womb and we just sat and we just thought no please no and that's when community shows itself. And all through the, the time there that you realize that there are situations that you've been in where you can help. So, and, and there are situations um, where you'll feel helpless, but just being able to listen will be a help. And that's fine. And actually it's finding those and finding that those change through the seasons of your life. And you don't, you're not always in a position to give 
Um, sometimes you'll be in the position where you need to receive. And, um, and that's the beauty of being able to transition through the church life as a community. Mm. Thank you so much. Anything else you want to add? You've answered all my questions. Any, you... I was going to say, I think it's important when we're in community to, you've kind of said it, but I'll reiterate it, not only to be there for the people around us, whether they need our help or whether they just need inviting around, but to let others be there for you as well. I think to be open and to be willing to let others invite you around and put an arm around you is really crucial. And uh, I thought that might be important. Thank you. Thank you so much, guys, for sharing. That's wonderful. Dan and Ian. Uh, just to close, we're going to watch that video that didn't come up earlier. This is Rosie and Metab, and then we're going to uh, respond uh, and head into communion. So let's watch this together now. Uh, for me, it's important because uh, we're like sisters, and it goes beyond just kind of a surface level friendship. I think the main thing for me is like when I go to Metab's home, it feels like my home. For me, it's. Um, we spend time together, um, we laugh together, we cry together, uh, we celebrate together and uh, most of all that we show each other God's love and God's love that's um, bigger than anything else. Um, if I think, if, if I don't see Rosie or not, I don't talk to her in a week or once a week. I feel like it's been many weeks or many years. Uh, I think for, for me, week to week, hopefully it looks like seeing each other in person, but sometimes it's like FaceTime or a surprise, food delivery <laughs> through the door or catching each other at church and sitting together at church. So it's different every week, but there's some kind of contact, even if it's just a little message. So one of the joys uh, was in lockdown, we were able to um, bubble, that's it called, bubble yeah. together, um, which meant we got to see each other a lot of times. Uh, I think one of the challenges has been over different seasons, working out how to navigate that together when lots of other things come in, because for a time it was, we could basically only see uh, Meta's family and my household. Um, but now as things pick up again, navigating the way through that to make sure we can still time to each other. Um, I go one. It's uh, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 11. Um, Therefore, encourage one another and build each other up, just as, in fact, you are doing. So whenever I, I feel down, I call Rosie and uh, we talk. I cry in front of her so many times. <laughs> and uh, she always says, yes, you can do it. So we just encourage each other. Uh, I've learned some Metam's generosity and hospitality and opening up her home. And she's always ready to welcome other people in and do things for other people so it's been great for me to see that and I've learned what it can look like to you know have a like a family in Leeds so neither of us have family in Leeds but it feels like we do because we, we have uh, people of different ages and different backgrounds and different cultures that we can share all the celebrations with. Mm. 
and I um in in our friendship what I um think is the most is honesty we can just honestly say anything and we know that other person will understand and will not feel bad about it so as we mentioned we don't have family in Leeds and there are a few other people kind of uh, connected who also don't have family in Leeds and we've kind of created a bit of a a day trip group <laughs> um, not on purpose really just by chance over the years we kind of collect different people along the way and we've been to the beach we've been to adventure parks we've been all sorts of different places um, and that's a way of including other people in a family here um, and just having lots of fun together so it'll if it's someone's birthday then it'll be likely that we'll all do something for that person and just a way of always bringing other people in. We made a joke that maybe we need a minibus soon. <laughs> soon, yeah, for summer trips we need a bus because cars are not. And now the whole church is coming. <laughs> Amazing. So we're going to have a moment of uh, response and then we're going to head into communion. As Josh leads us into communion, um, we're going to recall how Jesus was the reconciler of our relationships to God, to creation, to one another. Thank you for listening to the St George's Lead Sermon Podcast. For more talks or information, visit stgs.org.uk.